everybody welcome back to afros and combos hey y'all hey hello hello as always, like and subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on social media at Afros and Convos on IG. Email us at Afros and Convos at gmail.com. Check out the website at Afros and Convos.com. Again, before I ask everybody how they're doing, want to let you guys know we will be reviewing Homegoing, the book Homegoing by Yah Jossi on April 10th. So tune in. Well, first buy your copy, read it, tune in. <laughs> and join us for our book combo this is it's it's been a really exciting book so i'm excited for this conversation that's gonna come out of this book combo honey it's good so get your copy get your copy all right how's everybody doing you're doing good okay i'm doing all right wonderful because it is time for trending combos If if she sounded like she was moving, it's because she was literally shimmying as she said. <laughs> you know, for you all at home who can't see her. Yes, yes, yes. Well, <clears throat> thanks for calling me out. But anyway, no problem. Um, I'm gonna kick it off and talk about the thing that everybody's been talking about, and I'm sure that all of our listeners know that I'm gonna be talking about, mm-hmm. and that is the trial of Derek Chauvin. I think is his name. Chauvin, 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 Chauvin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the trial's going on in Minnesota, and uh, you know, this is the officer who was caught on video killing George Floyd, and you know the the you know y'all know the thing that launched the whole country, mm-hmm. lit the country up on fire. You know, talking about Black Lives Matter. You know, so uh, that trial's going on. Have you guys caught any of it? any highlights are you watching it this is it's interesting because this this trial is actually being broadcast on tv there's very limited um people in the uh in the gallery in the court gallery so not very many people are watching you have i think one family member from each side so one family member from george floyd's family one family member from the officer's family and then you have media and then the jurors and of course, mm-hmm. the attorneys and the judge. So it's very limited um, in terms of the amount of people. And so the judge said that because this is of such importance, he felt the need for it to be broadcast. So the trial mm-hmm. is happening live on TV. So are you guys watching oh. any of it? Have you caught any highlights? If you're not watching it, what's your level of exposure? I am not watching it in real time. That would 100% be too much for me. Um, but I have seen highlights and even if you don't watch it pretty much every day, well, it's only been a couple of days, but they'll do like a little recap. Yeah. You can go and read some bullet points about what happened, who testified or what were the highlights of opening arguments, like that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of been more of my lane. Not like I, I can't get fully engulfed in this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. I am not watching it way too much with, you know, how my life's set up, but um, you can't miss it on social media. So I got on social media and clicked some and I was watching some black man cry on the stands and I'm like, okay, and I gotta, I gotta tap back out. So I did see, I've seen highlights because people are putting on social media um, their reaction, but I'm not actively engaging it. I'm actually really bracing myself for what you know has been the pattern so that's also why I'm not watching it because I'm like I don't want to have to 
deal with all the emotions. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm actively watching it. It's actually like the background to my work day. Um, and because I'm interested to see, I'm interested in seeing the methods the prosecution takes and seeing where they're going. And that's what's been intriguing me. And who, um, how, who defense bring, who the defense brings, how they witness and what the prosecution does with who they bring. So I find it fascinating. I haven't even seen any of the highlights because I'm watching it as my background noise, but I, I'm invested. Yeah, so I haven't been watching it actively. I have there. I've watched all of the opening statements from both mm-hmm. sides, and then I've seen, you know, snippets of testimony when I like turn the TV or I have like a break or something, and I'll turn TV on see what's going on. Um, I will say, um, one, the jury makeup is kind of interesting. The jury makeup is actually more diverse than the city is Mm -hmm. so there are eight white people who are on the jury there are uh is it four black people or it's either four or six black people and then two mixed people so Mm. um and then like the women to man differentiation is pretty even um it's it's a it's an interesting makeup and then even um listening to some of the juror questions um or listening to the jurors answer questions on voir dire which is when the um the attorneys basically pick the makeup of the jury <laughs> one person who made the jury uh staunchly believes in black lives matter one is um and then i think it was somebody else that made it on there that was like um you know expressed some views that were kind of anti not anti-police but like police need to be held accountable so they've let a lot of people who are um you know basically um the jury makeup is kind of different from normal but with that being said still preparing myself for mm-hmm. something happening whether it's the mm-hmm. jury coming back with the not guilty verdict a mistrial because it's a hung jury or like i can see that one happening for sure or um something happens to where the judge declares a mistrial i'm not sure where but those are some variations that can happen that can lead to a a, a quote-unquote bad outcome um and i will say but I've been impressed with the prosecution. I've been impressed with how they're laying out their case. Um, the It's interesting what Camille was saying. It's interesting to see how they're putting these people on um, the stand. The witnesses are very emotional. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of them have expressed guilt for feeling mm-hmm. like um, I could have done something else or what more could I have done? And then like Kika said, there was a gentleman who was a witness. He was an older black guy who apparently pleaded with George Floyd to just get in the car before and then they pulled him out and then that's when the knees and start like the knee happened with the officer and um just even he him breaking down was like I I I lost my mama I know what he was going through that this didn't have to happen he also called the officer a maggot to his face on the day that it happened um and then it's just like all of them feel some some hint of guilt because they couldn't prevent this from happening and then it was a teenage girl who was on the stand who was like she felt guilty for not being able to do something but then she had to stop and it's like no it's not what I should have done is what he should have done and Mm -hmm. so it's a lot of like 
witnesses literally look at this man in the face and holding him accountable and telling him this was wrong like you were wrong so it's been interesting um i the prosecution has been doing a good job the testimony has been quite uh riveting that has been put on so far the defense is not doing that great of a job um their defense in their opening statement was that the crowd was so rambunctious and so loud and and whatever that it distracted the officers from the care of george floyd which is a complete and ultimate fallacy even in the from the start of the fact that it was not a yes they were loud but they were not rambunctious like there was nothing going on to distract the officers from quote unquote care of george floyd um for that long like the crowd was just rambunctious for seven that he was distracted no no (laughs) he looked he looked dead in that camera and wow and then i saw something about a Sorry, an uh, off-duty firefighter yes. who was trying to mm-hmm. assist and wasn't allowed She to. was not allowed to. Yep, she tried to assist. She tried to offer assistance. And then also what one of the biggest pieces that I saw, you get body camera footage from uh, Officer Chauvin. Chauvin. Um, mm-hmm. And basically one of the officers who was there told him, like, do you think it's time to, like, flip him on his side and he was like no he's gonna stay right where he is and mm-hmm. then also another officer tested his pulse and didn't feel a pulse and he continued to leave his leg his uh knee on his wow. neck so this is wow. just like i mean i would i would be interested to see what the jury's looking like when they're watching this and hearing this because i mean there's really no explanation for all this stuff that's going on and he uh the officer also was involved in another situation where he did have a, a knee on another um, suspect's neck and took it off and turned that suspect on his side. So he is aware that you need to put them in a side, they call it a side recovery um, position to allow them to be able to breathe. So it's not like he was unaware. So yeah, this is, it's interesting. But we're also at the point in the trial where we're hearing the prosecution's case yeah. in detail. Mm-hmm. Their witnesses, all we're hearing from the defense is just cross-examination. So I'm interested once the defense actually puts on a defense, what 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 it would look like. Because at this point, unless a bunch of evidence and stuff was suppressed, it should look like, oh, the prosecution's doing a great job. They've got this square. If it didn't look like that at this point, there was no hope but, at all. And what's also really good that they're doing is that they are not not saying that George didn't have something in his system. They are not not saying that he mm-hmm. didn't use a counterfeit bill. They're, they are literally mm-hmm. put, it's like anticipation. Like we know this mm-hmm. is what they're going to put on. We know that they're going to try to put George Floyd on trial and say these are all the things that he did. But the, the prosecutor said it in his opening statement and he has, he um, called uh, one of the witnesses was the clerk in the store. And mm-hmm. it was like, so oh, he... Yeah. He gave you a counterfeit bill. You went out and you tried to talk to him and he didn't want to come back in. So what happened as a result of that? And then you went back out to talk to him again. He still didn't want to come in and you went out with your employees. Did you go out with your employees because you felt like it was going to be an altercation? All of it, like they're they're not making George Floyd this complete innocent character, which I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of prosecutors tend to do when they are advocating, especially on somebody that has caused such a uh, uproar in the country. It would be very easy to paint him as a very innocent character. And they're not doing that, which is a like, it's, it's great anticipation. 
So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That's true. We'll see what the defense does because they ain't that their opening statement left much to be desired. Yeah. Which that could be that that could be a strategy. It could that be. could be finna try to pull a okie dog and be like, What? <laughs> we know you were gonna say that. So, you know, we'll see. That's true. Yep. I'm interested to see what they're gonna do. Yep. Okay, well I guess I'll talk about a little black excellence here. Um I wanna talk about I always mess up her name. Is it Marseille or Marseille? Marseille. Marseille. Oh, okay. So Marseille took home, you know, two NAACP image awards. And one of the things um, that this news article highlighted was um, Hollywood Reporter specifically is that they had an interview with her and she refuses to highlight black pain and black trauma in any of her movies. So she said, I'm never pitching anything about black, black pain. There are plenty of films that already do that. So all her future projects are going to be highlighting black people and black excellence, but negating the pain and the trauma. So I thought Cookie and Andrea, you guys would appreciate that. Since you don't like black movies for real. Um. <laughs> yeah, maybe it'll be some black movies I, I can actually bring myself to watch more than once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like joy and triumphant and happiness in movies. We like some fantasy too. Give us yes. some, you know. Can, can I laugh? <laughs> A genuine laugh. Because ain't nobody genuinely laughing at no Tyler Perry. I'm talking about like it's actually funny laugh. <laughs> oh, I am man. interested to see what she's going to do though. Because um, because of her age, like we might see a little sci-fi. We might see a little, you know. I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here for a little sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. We might, you know, expand our, our black genres. Yeah. Um, The next news I have is... um. Pfizer, they have been doing trials for uh, teenagers. So, you know, right now, mm-hmm. only 16 and older can get the vaccination. But they've been doing trials, and they currently have 100% efficacy. So as soon as this fall, uh, 12 to 15-year-olds 15 year olds will be able to be vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. some good news. We may, you know, coming on out of this pandemic. It's been over a year. We may... We got something to fight against. Some hope coming. I have, I have a question about that. So, for those trials, do they take like twelve year olds that are already infected and tested, or is somebody like literally signing up their twelve year old to get infected and then be tested? I, mean, I think like, it's a combination. Like trial yeah. drug. I think it's both. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I know. I'll be like, where y'all get these kids from? I'm I know, right? You you know where they get the kids from. That ain't no real question. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Yeah, Who would true. be in a in a type of situation where they would be willing to be paid to have their twelve year old infected with coronavirus and then given an experimental drug? Yeah, Come that's, on, yeah, that's true. Well, you know what? We, we grateful for them, though. We, I, I wish they would. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they would. I appreciate though. their sacrifice. <laughs> they, you know, they oh, making they, history. They volunteered as tribute. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have one more. So last week, we talked about uh, the NCAA. So I don't know if you guys mm. saw. The New York mm-hmm. Times posted an article and said that the NCAA acknowledges that there's a 13.5% million budget gap between the men and women's tournaments and they said that's mostly because the men events bring more money it's fueled by the events Mm -hmm. like they bring it they sell tickets they get more money but they said they are working to address this gap 
they did not put any you know steps on how they're doing that, but they did acknowledge that there's a 13.5 million dollar gap between the men and women's NCAA. So I thought that was fascinating. I knew it was a lot, but I didn't know it was that much. That's why they I'm actually so yeah, that, that seems, seems like less yeah. than I would thought it would have been based really? off based off of their oper like their operating yeah. the r- amount of revenue that they bring in like yeah. I would have estimated that to be like in the hundreds of millions. Yeah, really? like I would have mm-hmm. expected it to be a lot. When you think about how much money, yeah, that tournament and uh, how much money that brings in, mm-hmm. but I think about and it's only employees. a thirteen million dollar gap. Like, you know how much the CEO of NCAA or the board of directors and the CEO of uh, NCAA make? So I thought about the operation budget, and I was like, oh, that makes sense to me. I mean, like, right, but if that's one shared CEO, it's not like a, a women's CEO and a men's CEO, is it? No, it's just mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah, but just because, I mean, honestly, I was thinking um, of numbers more in proportion to not the same gross amount but mm-hmm. more in proportion to the nba and the WNBA. yeah oh really yeah mm-hmm. that's what i, I, yeah. I agree like the, yeah that percentage of the gap maybe not that big because i think more people are probably into women's college basketball than yeah. they are yeah, into yeah. The NBA. yes yeah mm-hmm. um, so maybe not at that exact level, but but close to, and, and that number would equate to way more than thirteen million dollars. And then, yeah. is it just for basketball, or is it men and women sports, all of them? Oh, it can't be that. Oh, was it sports? Let me double check. Yeah, because that—that's way too small. Yeah, that's yeah, way, that's too, way small. too small. It's basketball. Okay, yeah, specifically um, the tournament. Yeah. Yeah, then the turn. Okay, the turn. That makes sense to me a little bit because, like, the, the with the games going on simultaneously, people are like, because my dad doesn't even watch like women's college ball for real at all, but he will regularly. It don't matter what time of day, whatever. If a women's basketball game is on, <laughs> ain't no men's basketball game on, or it's a team that he don't really care about that's playing on at the time, he'll flip to the women's and he'll watch the women's. So like, and I know a lot of like people who tend to watch basketball will switch between both of those. So I can see that number being that for the tournament, but even no, still no, with that, that still don't make sense. it makes sense to me, gross. but like it makes sense to me just because of the, the timing of the tournaments going on at the same time. But with that number being that, I feel like that number is too small for the discrepancy between what they gave them oh, to absolutely. be what it is. So yeah. that well, I feel like proves the point that they are absolutely asinine for what they did. Yeah, but I mean, it don't make sense to me because attorney gross is like eight hundred mil. That's like yeah. that's a lot of money to be only thirteen point five in the difference. I, and also, we know they lost, so they also could be lying. Well, they, they put that on but, there. That makes the point. Five million. Yeah, that makes the point worse. If, if they're lying and they're saying that the number, if they were lying, they should say that the number is a hundred million difference. And that's why the things look the way that they look. 13 million is like nothing. That's nothing compared to 800 million. So that makes their point even worse. That's a really bad lie if they're lying. You know, they, then, uh, they have a history of bad lies. So They also say that um, usually the women's tournament uh, causes them a loss of money. Um, so this they get this is a 2019 year, 
So the women's tournament actually cost them lost about $2.8 million, more than any mm-hmm. other NCAA championship competition. So that's another thing mm-hmm. that they take into account in allocating funds. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I'm interested to see how it is moving forward because we're starting to see not only the support of male athletes specifically male basketball athletes college and nba supporting advocating you know for uh the women athletes in wnba and in college sports and we're starting to kind of see a rise of a superstar type player for women which i don't think we've seen as much before because my brother and i we watched well the whole house we watched um the yukon game and taylor uh Baylor mm-hmm. and no, no 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 the game before they the game before the Baylor game oh. with this Caitlin something so it was Paige Bukers and then this Caitlin girl who were the Caitlin girl like scores the most points right now and then you have Paige so it was a huge head-to-head kind of thing on ABC or whatever and I remember kind of thinking oh there's a there seems to be a bit of a shift with how we're talking about the games and giving them some prime spots and stuff like that um, in the UConn-Baylor game too. So I'm interested to see moving forward as they're getting more in revenue and they're not in debt, uh, what that will look like. It'll probably still be a discrepancy, but... Absolutely it will be because even in what you just said of a superstar, is that what was the term you used? Starting to see... Yeah, let's go with that. (laughs) You you said superstar, but then you couldn't even remember the girl's last name. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh no. Well, talk about well no, I was I was the superstar I was talking about was Paige Bukers, not the Caitlin girl. The Caitlin girl is a great player that's been ta- talked about a lot, but Paige Bukers has been like everywhere in terms of you know big time name, future WNBA player. Whenever she decides to go for the draft, she's gonna be the number one pick. Like. People Ooh. saying she's already Ooh. ready to, Ooh, you know, be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, don't play <laughs> this whole thing. Think about that girl who has so much freaking hype. Uh, Brittany Griner. Griner. Yeah. And I looked her up maybe the other day and was like, "Dang, does she still play?" I was like, "Yeah, but I'm yeah, she does. <laughs> yeah, she does. Nothing else about her. It's like." I don't know. Mm-hmm. It don't translate. It don't translate. It doesn't because it's it like translate. someone is a superstar on the men's side of the NCAA tournament, get drafted, and you think about like what's to do with the eyebrows that Anthony, Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, Anthony yeah. Davis. Oh, 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 I remember this man was on every talk show <laughs> when he was talking about how he still had assignments that he hadn't done because he was supposed to be in class today, but they flew him out here to come do an interview, <laughs> all that stuff. I mean, clearly people still talking about that man. You know what I mean? Because that. Yeah. It has translated into his career, but yeah. you think about, I just remember the, I follow pretty much no basketball, so that's equally proportionate to how much women's basketball I follow, <laughs> but I knew who Brittany Griner was, and now I got the Google to see if the girl even still play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We're getting there, slowly but surely. Yeah, we'll see. All right, well, I'll go next. Um, so, um, shout out to New Zealand, um, their prime minister, Jacinda Ardern, and her, um, I don't know what her, what is her, 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 um, 
what is the governmental board called? <laughs> like Parliament? our team, no, no. Cabinet? Her, cabinet? Is it Parliament? Parliament. Parliament. Her cabinet. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was like, I don't know what the term <laughs> is. You <laughs> We playing taboo, and you one of them people that's like the uh uh. It's like, no, nah, sis, say something. I got you. I need a clue though. <laughs> yeah, I was struggling, but uh, New Zealand just recently passed a law that gives um leave, paid leave, three days paid leave to couples who experience um miscarriage or mm-hmm. if they have a stillbirth. So um they are one of I saw originally that it was one of two, but it's actually three um countries or nations that have a maternity plan in place. Um, I believe they're the only one that has it for both cup for the couple and not just mm-hmm. the woman. Um, because India has in, in 1960, 1961, they passed a law that gives women six weeks of paid leave from the day oh. right after the loss. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. but yeah, but it's only for the woman. And then the Philippines, they had two months, they had 60 days. Um, but they have recently extended that to 105 days and it can be even more if a the woman is considered like a single mother, single parent by some, you know, um, criteria that criterion they have. But I believe the Philippines and the, and India's laws is more so just focused on the woman and not for the couple. Um, I thought I saw that and I thought that was huge because, um, as someone who's walked closely with folks who've had miscarriages or stillbirths, I often see that the man is overlooked in the process of grief. And, um, with that being such a tragic thing, like, you know, you have depression and anxiety and all the emotions that come out of that with the grieving process. And I always see the husband immediately going to the tend to the wife or the man immediately going to tend for the woman and everyone is tending to the mother and the father gets kind of lost in the shuffle. And so I think a law like this is setting a standard for saying both parties involved are grieving and need the space to be able to do that without having to worry about the financial burden of, you know, caring for themselves. Um, three days is, you know, not the longest time, but I think that's huge. Um, and hopefully like, you know, we see more laws that kind of merge it together with what India is doing and the Philippines doing of months of leave for both, uh, parties. What are your thoughts on that? Um, honestly, thinking about getting months of leave for a miscarriage, how much time are these places giving for, uh, children that actually go to term, like regular paternity? Mm, Yeah. I don't know. I would think, I mean, do you get a year? I'm like, Ooh, baby, uh, baby sound good. (laughs) (laughs) Got to go to work for a year. But no, I mean, I think that that's incredible. I think that that this issue is something that is just far too often people are expected to just get over it or Mm -hmm. to grieve in privately or to just continue on as if nothing happened, just regroup and get yourself together and then come back to like physically are you okay come back to work you'll be fine like start Mm -hmm. back into your normal routine and so I think that it is incredible that people are getting this kind of leave because honestly I think with it being given 
more people, like the number of people like that employers know who have miscarriages will increase. Because if you miscarried before you've even disclosed to your job or prior to that point, you are most likely not about to take leave from work. You are probably just going to keep trucking and your job, work, family, whoever is probably, I mean, they have no idea they need to be supporting you in this if they don't even know that it happened. So I'm interested to see if that will actually shift any sort of work culture. But again, I don't know what the work culture is in New Zealand to begin with. Yeah, I just looked it up, and apparently you're entitled to up to 52 weeks of parental leave. 26, yeah, 26 of it is for primary care, like the primary care leave, and then a further 26 weeks for extended leave. Fathers get paternal leave, but it's unpaid, and it ranges from a week to two weeks, depending on how long you've worked for your employer. Wait. Wait, that's where? New in New Zealand. So a father gets to less time for a child that goes to term than they no. do for a miscarriage? More. They get more time. They just, it's not paid. So with the miscarriage, it's three days paid. With paternity leave, paid. it's a okay. week unpaid or two weeks unpaid. Okay. Okay. Dang, they can't get a day paid. Get a little footage. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all don't want the dads to be in the kids' life. What? <laughs> Gotta go back to work. <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's awesome too um but i will say in order for that to happen in america we first have to deal with the stigma around taking leave mm-hmm. period because yep. even that being something that it's like you're taking off and i i don't i'm not trying to sound like you know like i'm cold about it but you're taking off for uh, a situation and you don't have a baby to care for at home and even still there is already a stigma that comes with taking maternity leave in general when you do have a baby to take care of and so until we get rid of that like that's not even something that I can even fathom happening in America Mm -hmm. or if it happens in America people aren't going to take it just from a standpoint of I don't want to I don't want to deal with the repercussions or the consequences that come from me taking it and people asking questions or what you know just a just a asking point of questions about is this even necessary and like I've there's just a lot that has to go on with the work culture in America before that can even you know mm-hmm. be yeah a thing. very true yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Cause yeah, I was like, that's beautiful, but I don't see that happening in America yeah. anytime soon. Then we working from home, they'll drop your laptop off. Oh, you can take it a few days to work at home. <laughs> <laughs> you left your laptop at the desk. Okay, I'll drop it off. Just- yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's real. That might even impose on some maternity leave with the baby too. Like exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so I'm up next. So this first topic is something that hasn't been everywhere. And um, so we all, I'm pretty sure we're all aware that about a week ago, Sweetie and Quavo publicly acknowledged their breakup. People say they broke up last week. You don't know when people broke up. They just publicly acknowledged that they broke up last week. Right? Okay. So then earlier this week, 
a video comes out showing a physical altercation between Quavo and Sweetie that transpired in an elevator. And the video footage is apparently from fall of last year, fall of 2020. Mm -hmm. This is not new footage. This is from last year. And so what has been very interesting to me is the huge divide in the conversation surrounding the footage from the elevator. Have you all seen the footage from the elevator? Not yes. just the little clip that was on the shade room, but have you seen the full video? Yes, mm-hmm. I have. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I've only seen a clip. Okay, 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 okay. So there there is a full video. So for those of you who have not seen it, it's on TMZ. But the video starts off, they're outside the elevator. Sweetie swings at Quavo and attempts to hit him. He dodges it. Then... She tries to get, I don't know, because somehow he ends up in the back of the elevator Mm -hmm. and she in the front of the Mm -hmm. elevator. So I don't remember how they entered the elevator. They're tussling and fighting over some Call of Duty gaming unit thing. Don't know what that is, but okay. And so she's trying to leave the elevator. He grabs her, pulls her back into the elevator. They kind of tussle around. He shoves her. She ends up on the ground. She remains on the ground while they ride awkwardly riding this elevator together. They stop (laughs) on some random floor. Some man is standing there. And I was like, is this man going to get on the elevator? He doesn't. He just stares at them. And then the door closes. And then Quavo's pressing the number to the next floor. So then I guess they get to the right floor. Quavo takes the Call of Duty case, puts it in the elevator door, and is standing there looking at Sweetie like, you going to get up off the floor or what? What are we going to do? <laughs> we going to get out this elevator or no? So eventually she gets up off the floor and she limps her way off the elevator and that's the end of the video. Well, while they were on the video, after they tussled, after Sweetie was on the floor, Quavo looks up and sees us camera, the camera in the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest of what I said transpires. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Let me outline to you some of the huge divide. Most men are saying, oh, that was not abuse. That was not at all abuse. Quavo was defending himself. Sweetie, from what we can see the footage of the video, Sweetie swung at him first. We don't know what happened before the elevator door opened and the video started, Mm -hmm. but Sweetie swung at him first, according to the footage that we saw, and he was merely defending himself against her. A lot of women are saying... That's absolutely abusive behavior. He put his hands on her regardless of what the capacity was, and it is completely inappropriate. But, I mean, it's really it, it's really divided. Um, like, some of the comments that I have seen, one, one of them, this girl said, y'all acting like y'all never got slung. Baby, who are y'all dating? <laughs> this is sad. Wait, slung is in... As long as in a man has physically taken you from one location and physically with force moved your body over somewhere mm-hmm. else, oh, slung no. you. I ain't got like slung now. That, that is the huh. norm. Wow. And then it's other people that saying that uh, men don't think Sweetie abused. Sweetie was abused just because she doesn't have a concussion and he didn't knock her out. And somehow they don't understand why women are fearful of most men. Y'all are insane. And then men are like, well, did y'all miss the part where she swung on him? So I'm just interested to know where, where what do y'all think about the situation? What, what is the line that denotes abuse or inappropriate physical contact? Hitting, shoving, and all of that. Hitting, shoving, and all of that. 
hitting mm-hmm. shoving okay. putting your hands on people out of anger mm-hmm. in terms of like yeah. a little rev back and forth that's 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 crossing the line i will say like we like we you said before we don't know what happened before the video mm-hmm. cuts on so we don't know who actually was the aggressor like mm-hmm. sweetie could have been defending herself too like we don't mm-hmm. know what's going on but um regardless of even even to a point of a man defending himself against a woman, I think that, yes, there is a, a, a means of, like, using your strength to restrain if she is the aggressor. But I think there also needs to be a recognition that nine times, eight times out of ten, you're stronger than her. Like, so you don't have to, like, swing her and, like, smash her in the elevator. Like, all of that's not necessary. You know what I'm saying? Like, I... I, I don't believe either sex should be uh, putting your hands on the other. Like, I just mm-hmm. I just don't believe that that's something that should happen. But if a woman puts her hands on a man and the man is obviously stronger than her, I do believe, yes, you can defend yourself to restrain from further attacks happening to you but that doesn't mean overdo it or because then you can become the abuser like i mean that just it just is what it is because you're stronger so yeah yeah i think i have wait wait, i have one more i have one more point Mm -hmm. to add to this that i also want y'all to speak to so let me say this real quick so if the elevator footage was deja vu for you it's because clearly the another famous elevator incident with Mm jay-z solange and Mm -hmm. uh beyonce Beyonce. it came up in the conversation solange was actually trending because this had come up. So one of the other things that someone said was not y'all praising Solange for physically attacking Jay-Z whilst also making Quavo public enemy number one for defending himself against Sweetie who clearly swung on him. So I also want you to speak to how, how you feel about that because I mean Solange was absolutely more physically aggressive towards yeah. Jay-Z than yep. Quavo yeah. was towards mm-hmm. Sweetie. Yeah. Yeah, when I saw I just watched the full thing. When I saw the clip, um I agree with Cookie. I think, you know, it's something I tell my brother, you are stronger. You're going to be stronger than most women that you interact with. So if you have a woman that physically, you know, comes at you, you never return the, you know, violence or whatever. You restrain because you are stronger, you can restrain. And so I think there's a difference between restraint and what Quavo seemed to have done. I mean, he swung that girl, like he he flung her, whatever that girl's term was that you know, <laughs> she said ain't, that should apparently be a, right, a requirement for relationships now. But um yeah, I but um I agree with Cookie. I think if it's motivated by um anger or you know like aggression then that's where i think it'll lean towards abuse whether it's relationally you know romantically or it's like parents interaction with their kids or whatever Mm -hmm. um and i think that goes both ways but when i saw that i did immediately think about the elevator because i saw it on shade woman i saw the comments and i immediately went to but y'all were like gas and Solange when mm-hmm. she was wop like she was punching mm-hmm. Jay like mm-hmm. and he just stood there and he took it. And 
it was a thing. I mean, Beyonce put it in her song, and we just, yeah, you know, it's a lot of that goes down the elevator. We got money, you know, like, yeah. But I remember thinking about that, and it even to the conversation we had about um, uh, coming to America and that opening scene, and what is triggers you to think, you know, um, date rape when it's a woman aggressive being aggressive versus a man. And I think we do often see women in this role of, I don't know if it's like weaker. So therefore they can't be the one that's causing harm or, you know, more innocent. So they can't be, but I did think that. And I was just like, nah, Solange was abusive. If, if we're using the term, Solange was abusive. She was very aggressive towards Jay and, if we're going to say that Quavo was abusive and aggressive and wrong, Solange was also abusive, aggressive, and wrong in that scenario. Regardless of what we know or don't know, she shouldn't have put her hands on Jay, and Quavo should not have put his hands on Sweetie, and Sweetie shouldn't have swung on Quavo. But I don't know. Quavo could have had a gun. I don't know the details, but I just feel like oh, folks should know. I don't think he had I mean, no it could be. I mean, <laughs> the nigga got a gun. I ain't been a <laughs> <laughs> right, you made her out to be a dummy, honey. <laughs> oh, but no. In summary, folks should keep their hands to themselves. But Dre, I'm glad you brought that up because I definitely thought about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought about it too, and I. <laughs> You're gonna come <laughs> Call me old school. <laughs> you don't hit no woman, and then okay, and I think there are differences in these elevator situations. The way Sweetie got up and lift on up out that elevator, this ain't the first car she'd have been slug, flug, whatever it is, an elevator. <laughs> this is a, this was a common occurrence because he was like, "You gonna get up? And we gonna go eat?" Like you, like there was no shock factor from mm-hmm, her. That's true. Mm-hmm. Now, did be, did Solange tear Jay Z up? Absolutely. She should have got him a little more, cause that, that was that was Becky with the good hair. Becky with the good hair. Beyonce had just thought about Becky with the good hair, and Solange was like, "You gonna do this? Be for real?" But you can tell that that wasn't a regular. Well, okay, I don't know that situation or that story, but from the footage, this didn't seem like a regular occurrence of Solange just beating Man, up on. Shot. He did look yeah, shocked. <laughs> Yeah, he was like, "Hold on, okay, I can't hit this is happening. Uh-huh. Don't, don't hit her. Don't hit her. Just wait for the elevator door." <laughs> but uh, sweetie, she looked like she didn't be. She like it was another day in the neighborhood. That's all. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Do what I, you do saying? I think I'm so saying, saying that like regularity denotes abuse. I I don't think a man should be hitting a woman. And she swung and she missed. She swung and missed. He, he didn't even get hit. Or he could have got hit other times. But in that situation, it does not look like Sweetie was shocked. This was not a normal occurrence. Does that mean that relationship is healthy? I I don't know what's going on, but oh my, my thoughts. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I don't have nothing to say about that. Um, that... I, Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'll I'll just say what my thoughts are. Um, I think so. For me, I would equate both Solange's situation and Sweetie's situation to abuse. I, I do mm-hmm. believe that that is abusive behavior, and I think I believe that because 
I think that my viewpoint of what abuse is has not been warped by unhealthy physical relationships with men. Mm-hmm. Like I, I to date have never had a man put his hand on me ever mm-hmm. in any way out of yeah. anger mm-hmm. for any reason. I ain't never been shook. I ain't never, none of that has ever happened to me. And if it does, I consider that to be abusive, mm-hmm. but I think, it's very sad that we live in a day and time and an age where so many women and even men, I mean, have been abused that yeah. abuse is seem as normal. Mm-hmm. And it has to be this great level of abuse before it's seen as wrong. Like yep, there yeah. was this other guy that was, I mean, that's just black love. If you ain't passionate, oh. if you ain't willing to swing on me because you mad, then I, if she ain't going to do that, then I don't want it. That was I'm that like, boxer. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, it's like you mm-hmm. you need help. Like that's not okay. And you do you have children? Are you raising your daughters to believe that this is okay? Like so I mean, it is definitely that is my perspective and what I if anything have learned from this is that it is a perspective of privilege. Mm-hmm. I I'm privileged to be able to clearly see this as abuse yeah. because mm-hmm. I have not suffered abuse yeah. in this area in my life. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good conversation. Oh, well, <clears throat> hate to end on such a heavy note, but uh, we had a little fun with it too. I guess we had a little fun with it, but uh, yeah. Um, woo, child, <laughs> get your book, get your home going book by Yah Jossi. Join us on April tenth to discuss, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. 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 Oh, wait, at this point, you need to get a digital book or, or an audio book. <laughs> you order it in snail mail, you're not going to have it. Time. So just keep that in mind, y'all. <laughs> all, all right, Bye. we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.